0: Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah yeah. Pump fake
1: right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move, maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer. put you rookies on a skewer I say shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me, I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome back to the Mainstream Mavs Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm joined here in person, of course, again by my co-host, Jaren. What is up, guys? Trying to ramp up the in-person content here as we approach the draft, you know, just just having my confidant here closely with me, it just gives me an increasing uh, sort of confidence when we're going over these profiles. Jaren, what about you?
0: Absolutely. You know, I think it's a, it's always a fun little little cherry on top to be with uh, the Will Miller in, uh, in person. Uh, yes, it's such a blessing. But today, guys,
1: we have a blessing for you guys. We are going to be going over some more draft profiles, some more guys that I would say are uh, kind of more tentatively projected in the actual range of which the Mavericks are picking in. Uh, maybe more of a healthy prognosis that we're rolling with here in this episode than our previous renditions in our draft profiles. If you haven't watched those already or listened to them, make sure to go check them out. You can find us on YouTube, of course, or Apple Podcast or Spotify. Um, We just did draft profiles uh, that are up everywhere on our Twitter where you can find our Twitter at mainstream underscore just mainstream 214. It's our uh, new Twitter, but we posted all our new draft profiles and stuff there over there. So go check that out. Um, But we got Azar Thompson, Grady Dick, Jarius Walker, uh, Taylor Hendricks, as well as Anthony Black up right now. Um, So, you know, a lot of those guys that definitely have a little bit more of that volatility range to them where they could slide, you know, one of them is probably going to potentially slide to where the Mavericks are sitting at 10. Um, But all of them are definitely, you know, in, in a sort of echelon of their own compared to maybe some of the guys that we're talking about today. But some of the guys today um, definitely I would say have some more swing factors yeah. that if they were able to uh really harness um in terms of their own game and improve upon throughout the course of their NBA career could just be uh, could be just as talented as some of the, uh, you know, sor- sort of more ready, surefire prospects with inside the top 10 that we've already profiled. So, you know, without further ado today, we're going to be getting into uh, Kentucky guard, Casein Wallace, uh, you know, Michigan go- uh, combo guard, Kobe Bufkin, and then Metropolitan 92. I would say, I guess, kind of like wing slash, you know, potentially, you know, point of attack defending guard uh yeah v he played with victor Wimbaum yama so those are all guys that have kind of been you know as high really you know projected as like 10 uh landing with the mavericks or as low as you know early 20s so you know there is some volatility as we talked about but these are all you know kind of coveted uh sort of point of attack defenders and one you know sort of Form or fashion or the other that we'll be talking about today. They do all have different properties. You know, some of them are a little bit more like wings. Some of them can handle the ball a little bit better. Some can shoot better. Some, you know, maybe a little bit more re- ready now, you know, compared to, um, you know, some, I wouldn't say draft and stash, but, you know, in like Bilal, Bilal um case, he definitely has a lot more uh, of a, de- a developmental track to go uh, than the other two guys coming out of college and Kobe Buffkin and Case Walls. So some pretty, Cool um, ones that we're going to be getting into today. Uh, definitely did our some good homework on all three of these guys, and we feel pretty good about them. Also, you know, we got a lot more stuff. You know, aside from profiles coming out here in the coming days, um, we're going to be doing our profile over Derek Lively um, as our next podcast. But in tandem with that, is also going to be us talking about scenarios for the Mavericks as they as the draft approaches in terms of if they you know, would be open to trading back. Um, I'm obviously inclined to think that they definitely would be, but yeah. we'll be going over, you know, maybe some specific scenarios, bring a few examples as well as kind of dishing out our own opinions on that in tandem with doing that uh, Derek Lively draft profile. So that'll be an exciting one. We've already done our homework and stuff, took our notes on that. Uh, and then we'll be hashing out maybe probably a few more profiles. And then, um, you know, we'll probably just do some sort of big picture um kind of question podcast where we kind of, you know, take a narrative in regards to the upcoming draft or free agency and, uh, just kind of talk about it because, you know, the draft is on Thursday and, uh, we're going to be live streaming it. And we're going to be having it all on Twitch. We're, we're getting that all set up for you guys. So we're excited for that, but you know, we're, we're really trying to ramp up as we approach that. So, uh, it's an exciting time to be an NBA fan, especially if your team got, uh, removed, uh, rebuked from the playoffs, uh, <laughs> or just didn't make it in the first place of course and uh you've you kind of been kind of in a uh, in the uh, Sahara you know gasping for water you know in our case just gasping for, for Mavericks content, content. Yeah. so and you uh, know that's where we're at right now Jaron. so what is your uh what is your happiness level Jaron? we never get to check in on something like this on the podcast what's your happiness level as we approach the uh, the draft year or excitement level you can kind of the, yeah, we'll go we'll go together
0: yeah we'll we'll uh grouping it together rather yeah. um yeah I mean I think you know there's a lot to be excited about there's a lot to be happy about. Uh, there's actual like NBA news as a whole, and that's uh, with the draft coming up, and this whole Bradley Be- Bradley Beal saga. Um, there's just a lot of smoke coming up. Of course, you know the the former or the new rumors of you know the Clint Capella, um, you know all these trades. Uh, it definitely brings some insight to um, you know I, I guess just how antsy everyone is getting on, especially the Dallas forefront of things. So um, yeah, I mean I, I'm more so excited, uh, more so just seeing. How things will pan out. I'm not saying I expect a trade or anything to happen here in the next few days, but uh, you know, I think you know, come Thursday, I think we'll be uh, ready for whatever is to happen because uh, I don't think we the, um we, yeah, yeah well yeah, won't yeah be, we right? won't absolutely we be, won't be ready. ready. We will not be ready. Um, that that is one thing that we have come to know as mass fans. That we will not. We will never be ready for that. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to whatever does happen. Um, I mean, it's going to be content at the end of the day, so we'll be able to fill you guys in. And um, I mean, I I think for the first time in probably over a month, there's like for real good, good topics, good news. Um, Of course, these draft profiles and with the draft coming up um, and potential trade targets, because this this team has to move. um, And so they have to make moves. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm really looking forward to see what happens.
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously, we've talked about this, that the Mavericks hand is basically completely forced. Uh, the clock has been, you know, completely turned back counterclockwise. They are, you know, in a position where they essentially have to make moves or they risk, um, you know, their potential um, transcendent franchise superstar leaving in a couple years. And, you know, that's just the uh, the blunt truth in all this. You know, even if it's a smaller likelihood, even if he remains loyal, um, it, it's just a precarious position that they have, of course, put themselves in uh, through years of draft. And uh, you know, off season mismanagement. So Absolutely. um their their hand is forced to make multiple moves, hopefully this upcoming summer. So, you know, they just have to hit the nail on the head with them. Uh, you know, less uh less Wessawandu, uh Gal Mekel type of moves. Um, you know, more of those uh Alpha type, you know, sort of moves. We Absolutely. we because I mean hitting within the margins is gonna be key too, because the Mavericks may not hit on some of these bigger moves that they're making in the uh upco- you know, this upcoming off season. So we will have to see, you know, just in terms of how they take the young players, you know, with the draft, um, as well as like summer league and how that the whole offseason um, undrafted free agent saga kind of unfolds. There's multiple outlets to them getting better than this summer, you know, barring just trades and free agency. So uh, it'll be an interesting dynamic uh, to to monitor going forward. But, you know, without further ado, uh, you know, we're excited to get after it these next couple of weeks with the content, of course. But, of course, with this, uh, these draft profiles today. Before we get into them, here's going to be an ad from our sponsor, from Spotify for Podcasters. All right, getting into it here, Jaron. Starting out here with Kason Wallace, covering this individual, Jaron. You know, great point of attack defender, um, a guy that you know kind of projects as possibly a, a pseudo playmaker, especially at the N- NBA player. And uh, you know, I knew the I know the root of pseudo kind of means fake, and uh, we've used that to describe a lot of the ball handlers with the Mavericks um but you know from from the perspective more so that I, he wouldn't necessarily be a fake ball handler um but he's a guy that you know wouldn't even I you know really think be tasked coming into the NBA even as a secondary uh, ball handler but definitely an individual who could uh help with that aspect you know a decent catch and shoot shooter uh, a pretty like you know sort of ready made prospect here I'd say he has the least bust potential, uh, comparable maybe to the other two guys in terms of, you know, finding a definitive sticking role in the NBA. That might just be my opinion. Uh, I don't know, but I mean, he definitely projects as you know that sort of versatile six four, um, you know, six five, kind of smaller ish, um, sort of two uh, that can cover one through three comfortably. He's got good size on him. Uh, definitely, you know, comparable to maybe like a, a Lou Dort or a Marcus Smart, you know, we'll. We're, we'll talk about that, of course, uh, more specifically when we get into the NBA comparisons and stuff. But what did you get out of this guy? Having covered, you know, you know his draft videos and stuff like that, and having watched some of his tape, what do you think are some of the more positive aspects he could bring to this Mavericks team?
0: Yeah, overall, I think that he's just a solid two guard. You know, I, I don't think that he needs the ball in his hands necessarily to stick out or to make plays necessarily. I think he's, you know, offensively that's sort of where his struggles do lie, but offensively. Um, you know, I think he has a really good motor. Uh, and like I mentioned before, he's a really good two guard. He's not going to have the ball in his hands a whole lot, but he can create uh, whenever the ball is in his hands. He's a really good uh, pick and roll sort of playmaker, not afraid to make the tough passes, not afraid to make the lob pass over tall guys. Um, and he, he has a pretty good ability of finding guys in the opposite sort of court. Uh, like he can flip the court really well uh, compared to some other guys in this draft class. Um, But really where the sort of positives really do lie is in his defense. He's a really, really good point of attack defender. Um, You know, I I know that, as you said, like we'll get into his role a little bit more, Um, but I I really do view him day one as a guy who can come off the bench and make an immediate impact on whoever he is guarding. Um, I think out of these three guys that we're going to cover, to me, I think he's the most ready defensive made player um maybe even in this draft just you know uh, as a point guard or a two guard sort of guy a guy who can guard one through two um I think he might be the best in the league at this or or, sorry best in his draft class at this um but yeah you know case and a guy um he's just got good basketball IQ um as I mentioned before you know he, he can uh his defense translates to the pro level really easily Um, I think he's going to have a really good ability, uh, as I said before, to, you know, maybe not necessarily these top tier point guards in this league, like a Damian Lillard or something like that. Um, But I think that you can stick him on a two guy, uh, someone coming off the bench. um, And and yeah, you can expect him to go to work there. I I don't think day one he's going to be that necessarily primary defender on those tough point guards. Uh, But yeah, I mean, he, he can work on a lot, as we mentioned. Um, you know, there, his offense was the biggest sort of question mark, but he does have some upside, as I said before, with the playmaking, also some finishing upside. Um, he's got a really good angle driving, um, a really good screen navigator as well. And he can snake the pick and roll really well. I saw a lot of his sort of, um, kind of dicey, uh, assists come from snaking the pick and roll and getting a screen off to the big guy. Um, and also not just that, but he's a good off ball mover. He's, He's not afraid to sort of rotate into the pockets, um, get in between the defensive corners and sort of not necessarily cut off ball um, he's not necessarily the best backdoor cut by any mean but he can he can move off ball and he can also he's you know he's good at I guess making that secondary pass he's not afraid to pass up good passes for the better shot is what I'm trying to say um, but yeah you know I, I was really impressed with his sort of defensive impact I think his defensive impact is definitely where his pro readiness level is definitely where it's at.
1: Yeah. I mean, I know you said that you would be remiss to, you know, admit that he could maybe step in day one and guard some of the best point guards, um, you know, best primary ball handlers at the NBA level. And I mean, I think that there's some hesitancy with any rookie to come in and say that they could do that, you know, and have that immediate day one impact. But this is definitely an individual that um, in terms of his trajectory that projects, I think a lot easier and probably a lot faster to be able to do that Uh, than some of the other guys that we'll talk about. I wouldn't say that he's, you know, the ultimate position of need for the Mavericks, um, but his defense is, you know, earnestly second to none, or else, you know, we wouldn't, you know, just be up here talking about uh, a sort of tried and true point guard who, you know, can only, you know, really suffice in terms of his offense because the Mavericks, you know, while while that is sort of an ancillary, maybe even kind of like tertiary need, it's definitely not something at the the top of their bucket list here and look like this is a guy that can defend 1 through 3 he can guard up a little bit he has a really good base he's very stout yeah. um he's got really good strength um you know for the college level he's very aggressive he wins a lot of 50-50 balls he's not afraid to get onto the floor uh he's got a really good basketball IQ um jaren obviously talked about his ability to you know make those extra passes he's a really good um you know, at just continuing the ebb and flow of the offense. Uh, he doesn't, you know, get too selfish or let his own prerogative disrupt what's going on offensively for the team. And you know, he showcased that at Kentucky. He had a good willingness to uh find cutters, make the open pass. He also, you know, as Jaron had talked about in the pick and roll, there's there's still probably another added layer of comfortability he can get there. Um, just in terms of his whole playmaking arsenal, he's gonna have to definitely open up his dribble package a little bit more yeah. to be able to get to his spots uh, not only from a playmaking perspective to you know be able to draw a little bit more pressure from defenses to make some of those tougher passes uh, but also uh, from a shot creation standpoint he's going to have to work on that as well but you know that's if he's going to really expand past you know just the, that role player sort of tier in the NBA um, he's You know, I I hate bringing out the comparisons this early, but I mean, he is almost like a one for one comparison in terms of, you know, if things do go right for him to like a a Lugo in store or a Marcus Smart, just a, you know, really savvy sort of maybe undersized two guard can attack off closeouts, be a little bit more dynamic is, is pretty good. He's reliable. He's going to make the defense pay from three. Um, But that's, you know, he's not an above average shooter. I definitely think he'll come in probably be in that 36, 37% sort of range. Um, at least, you know, if the primary sort of shot diet of his attempts are going to be um, catching, th- catch and shoot threes, you know, in his rookie year in terms of those threes that he's uh, going to be taking, because at Kentucky, there were some instances, you know, where he was delegated uh, some more, you know, ball handling opportunities, obviously, than he's going to have at the NBA level, he's not going to, you know, get as many chances specifically, you know, in the context of a team like the Mavericks that is trying to win next year in, in in all hope, at least. Um, So, you know, there were instances at Kentucky where, you know, he would reject a screen or a defender would go under and he would pop that open, you know, pull up three. And he didn't have uh, the hugest reliability with it, but his shot mechanics are, are pretty good. He's got a little bit of a, uh, you know, sort of elongated motion uh, with his, uh, the way he kind of shoots, it's it's kind of, you know, you you wish he'd maybe get a little bit more arc on a shot. He'd have a higher release point. Um, but I think at the end of the day, he does have pretty fluid shot mechanics. Um, he's a guy that can come in and, you know, really be that point of attack defender that the Mavericks are looking for. Now, you know, in terms of getting reps in the starting lineup, I, I don't know how, you know, ready and surefire of a process that would be comparable to some of the other guys we may talk about just because, his role is, you know, even though he can guard up a little bit and can do so very successfully, you know, probably guarding at least like threes with that six four, um, you know, height and the you know about six six wingspan, and just in terms of how stout he is, you know, he he's not a guy that is going to be switchable beyond that, just you know, strictly due to his size. He he did show the ability to have really good active hands, be a good, great, you know, a really good help side defender. Yeah, uh, he's he's really good at probing off ball.
0: I believe he and, averaged two steals. I think. Yeah, he
1: averaged two. like yeah. oh yeah, he averaged over two steals a game. I believe it. Um, I mean, he's like really good at hedging and recovering. I mean, great off ball defender too. And I didn't even mention that he's good at exploiting passing lanes, um, just rotating and closing out. I mean, he he really does do everything. You know, all in between. Like this is a guy that I. I tend to only give this label out to guys that make an impact um, so much on that, on this end, that they you know, would be almost considered a game changer um, from this perspective as they would be offensively. But I would say he's like a splashy defensive, you know, player, like he could be an all NBA defensive player. Um, and if any of the offense comes um, along more so than just a complimentary role uh, where he can be delegated, some of those secondary, you know, playmaker responsibilities And, uh, you know, those transition playmaking opportunities, if he can ever actually develop into more of a self-creating role, uh, this could be, you know, one of those guys that you look back in a couple of years, like, why didn't this guy go top five? But um, as of right now, I mean, he just projects really well defensively. I I know point of attack defense isn't necessarily uh, the biggest need for the Mavericks, you know, for a team that wants to, you know, get some size on the wings, you know, provide a little bit more, you know, not just point of attack defense, but at those wing spots, you know, as dynamic as a lot of these, you know, sort of point forwards are in today's game, be able to guard up on guys like that, like Paul George, you know, Kawhi Leonard, the, the just, you know, absolute abundance of wings in the NBA um, that are non one dimensional, something that is um, sort of a scarcity for us Mavericks fans to, to see in person. Um, but no, I mean, he's, he's a guy that is, Going to be able to handle one through three defensively. Uh, and at times, I think even overcompensate for other lackluster defensive performances from maybe, you know, other guys in the guard spot. Um, it, particularly if he's playing with Luca or Kyrie, he can, um, he can guard the toughest guy and then also, you know, provide some of that um, off ball sort of help defense as well. He's very smart in terms of if he, uh, you know, when he's creeping up on guys, um, he's also not. He doesn't overextend himself a whole bunch. He doesn't get too out of position. You know, there may maybe a few times that he took uh, too hefty of a risk at Kentucky uh, and he kind of tried to chase over a screen or he tried to, um, you know, come from behind on somebody um, where at the NBA level they would have been able to, you know, pass out of that or get in triple threat position and uh, make him pay. But I mean, other than that, um, you, you know, you're looking at a, a pretty, you know, a multifaceted uh, defender here at the guard spot that. Uh, would definitely take a lot of pressure off Luca and Kyrie, um, you know, when their primary offense, you know, offensive responsibilities sometimes tend to override uh, what they have to do on defense throughout the course of a long 82 game season.
0: Absolutely. You know, I think to highlight some more improvements, like I think um, he could improve on his sort of, uh, you know, his, his offensive creation. I think he lacks a little bit of offensive creation, especially in the one-on-one sort of scenario. I think he went to uh, a variety of moves, but just kind of, one dimensional moves never really got too creative with his dribbles never got really too creative with his or sort of like step throughs or euro steps sort of things of that nature um didn't really get too creative with that he was a good finisher um but he lacked sort of i, I guess the creative finishes um which i think that yeah. are gonna sort of finesse more or sort of work more at the pro level um like i think you can get away with the sort of uh a to b sort of finishes in the college level but he, I, he
1: definitely had an over reliance i'm not trying to butt in but he, yeah yeah like, to your point, like, he was over-relying on his athleticism to absolutely. finish on yeah, a absolutely. lot of these plays.
0: Um, Yeah, you know, I think that just sort of highlights some of the more it works. Um, In terms of defense, I know you highlighted it, but just sort of screen navigating. Um, he almost sort of played hero ball on defense a little bit too much, sort of what we saw at the tail end of the season from Josh Green, uh, where, you know, he's just kind of picking and choosing his matchups, um, going under on screens whenever he should have went over or uh, vice versa you know sort of scenarios like that like little things that you can work on over time that just kind of are disciplinary things um but definitely like you know if he doesn't improve upon those those could definitely hurt his sort of ceiling at the end of the day um but yeah you know uh, to highlight some of his more shooting struggles because I think that's one of the bigger things coming in his three-point shot necessarily wasn't you know awful by any means I think he just struggles with consistency um he shot actually 40 percent uh, I believe two thirds of the season in the last nine games of the season he shot 18 point like two percent from three um so I think he's just kind of struggles with consistency um you know, had it improved, had it went from like 18 percent at the beginning of the year all the way up to forty percent, I think we'd be having a much different discussion but because of the such uh, you know variety or not variety, but the, the big drop off um you know I think it is a, a sort of call for concern. Um, you know, not just that, but also his mid-range pull-ups didn't really rely on that too much, but, uh, being a pick and roll navigator that he's kind of, he's going to have to kind of be, um, he's going to have to rely on that mid-range jumper just a little bit, uh, a little bit more than, you know, what he kind of did, but he shot 39 and a half percent from mid-range jumpers, not terrible, but can definitely work on that. Also his floater game, uh, that sort of in between number, this is sort of an eye popping number to me, only 35%. That number is going to have to go way up at the professional level, of course um and yeah you know and I think that's why you know going into his role uh I I think that you know likely he will be more of an off ball sort of two guard um you know not saying that this is going to be his role at all but kind of like the Tyrese Maxi to James Harden where you know he can bring the ball up but you're not going to necessarily run every offensive play through him um but yeah you know he can take some limitations off you know if Kyrie or if Luca assuming uh Kyrie does come back like if that were to be a starting lineup you know he could definitely take the the sort of uh the sort of i guess ropes on defense um and let those guys go to work on offense and i think that's sort of if the mavericks were to go in that route um you know again i don't really know how feasible they were i do believe they worked him out um if i'm not mistaken i believe they did yeah yeah. um so you know there could be a world where he is drafted here um but yeah you know i think his ideal role will probably be a two guard off the bench day one um but yeah you know I, i wouldn't be surprised to see him play some spot spot starter minutes uh at some point in the season
1: yeah I think with the Mavericks more specifically, that's where he's going to be relegated to coming off the bench, especially with the ascension of Jaden Hardy and you know Josh Green. He, there's definitely going to be some, you know, sort of intertwining in terms of how those guys all project positionally. If this guy were to get drafted, you know, he would be having to fight for minutes in the rotation. I'm sure they could all work it out, but it it may be a little clunky at first. To Jaron's point, you know, the jump shot is like the biggest work in progress for him. Uh, He he's good at knowing. Uh, how to create space uh, in terms of, you know, those, those pull up jumpers just in terms of like a basketball IQ perspective, he doesn't have the, you know, just most full sort of array of dribble moves to be able to kind of throw at his own disposal, but he is really good at, you know, understanding when to reject a screen or when a defender goes under, when he's going to have space to shoot. And I mean, he did make defenses pay earlier on the season, but you know, as the season sort of treaded along, the shooting numbers obviously fell off a little bit um, to Jaron's point. So, I mean, just being more reliable, more comfortable in those, um, you know, pull-up scenarios is, is going to be big. Uh, you know, at least just being respectable, I think is just, is just yeah. going to be the biggest drawing point for him throughout his career. And and just getting a little bit more savvy with uh, some of those drives. You know, I know we compared to Marcus Smart, but Marcus Smart is a guy who uh, is extremely, uh, you know, diligent at, you know, understanding that he may not be the most athletic guy, but he's he's always kind of crafty, using like euro steps and different types of floaters to be able to, uh, you know, you know really hone in on those like giant killers and stuff like that, and uh, you know make opposing bigs you know think twice um, that he's you know just a defensive player uh, when he's attacking from the rims. You know, and Case and Wallace, um, he he definitely is kind of like a younger rawish sort of Marcus Smart, where if he can evolve upon those things. Um, he's going to be really hard to stop because he. I would say he's a lot more athletic, maybe, Could um, potentially, yeah. than Marcus Smart coming in. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like just when they came in, um, he's a little bit more rangy. So if he can get that floater down and understand, you know, that he can keep his dribble alive and and still get a shot up over a rim protector, uh, things like that are going to, you know, help sort of hinder that over reliance on athleticism when he's you know attacking from. <laughs> Uh, the wing position you know, or in a one-on-one scenario. But you know, he's already a decent cutter. Uh when he does get going downhill off of a dribble handoff or a curl off, um he comes down uh you know with a lot of speed. So he he's fairly tantalizing going to the rim, but just evolving evolving upon some of those things is going to be uh the, the biggest uh drawing point in terms of where he can um really improve the most as a player, right? And, you know, to just kind of summarize the the whole positive and negatives of this. I mean, I, I would not, you know, be uh, I, I definitely wouldn't be angry if the Mavericks selected this guy at 10. You know, I, I would talk myself into the pick and it, it's not even as much the player as it, it just kind of is the role. Um, You know, he has a lot of positive flashes and I mean, he could really evolve into something at some point, but it would create sort of a log jam uh, at a position that I wouldn't say the Mavericks already you know all the way have covered but it may just be you know a sort of tertiary position of need comparable to some of the bigger issues on the roster
0: absolutely you know I think that you honestly worded that really well uh there there is some you know bigger sort of needs that this team has and I don't think that he would necessarily fill those other than the sort of point of attack defender that this team needs but um you know my expected role if he were drafted to Dallas uh again I said this before but just kind of being that sort of tertiary ball handler off the bench um, a guy who's relegated more so to using his primary defense um, you know, and uh, sort of his off ball sort of movement, uh, maybe even a, his off ball catch and shoot uh, and those sort of corner shots. But I, I, you know, I think he'd work well with Drayton Hardy uh, being his sort of off man sort of things like that, like intangibles like that. But yeah, in my expected role, I'm not necessarily thinking that he would jump Drayton Hardy in the sort of minutes rotation, um, they won at least, but you know, the, he could definitely work up into that potential, assuming everything hits or assuming he starts developing his game. But, yeah, I would expect him to come off the bench um and relieve sort of the the defensive issues, um, you know, at that primary attacking spot, yeah. no. I mean, from the point of attack perspective,
1: you know, with him and Josh Green, the Mavericks would definitely probably be covered if they were to select Cason Wallace at that, you know, from that aspect. It would provide a lot of relief to to Luca and Kyrie. But, you know, guarding those bigger wings would still be. Uh, a huge question for the Mavericks if they were to select case and Wallace Um, in terms of his ceiling, if, if everything were to click for this guy, um, I think he could end up becoming uh, a drew holiday, but maybe more consistent throughout his career. A guy that, you know, potentially has, you know, could see a few all-star appearances at certain points just due to, you know, perpetual standing in an all defensive team and uh, you know, being able to be a solid secondary playmaker or play second fiddle to a um you know one a superstar in a in a system. I mean he, he can be a really important player on a championship team if everything were to pan out through throughout his career. Um I, I think in terms of his floor, you know, you're looking at maybe like um an Alfred Payton type of guy, uh kind of rangier, a uh, good point of attack defender. But the NBA jump in terms of the shooting and the spacing that was provided for him was just too drastic of a leap possibly for for him to make from a playmaking and shot creation and just shooting standpoint, he wasn't ready for it. But I think at the low end, you know, he's at least a guy that's going to be able to make good passes within the flow of the offense, Um, you know, get to use his athleticism to get to some spots for, you know, those driving kicks, Um, you know, get some good swing passes in there. So he, he at least could, I think, you know, be at the end of a bench for a while um, before he fizzles out. But I do think that, um, like that, that is like his like rock bottom floor. Like that's if like everything were to go kind of astray from the offensive perspective. And I only say that just cause, you know, it is kind of hard to project how good of a defender a guy will be yeah. coming out of college. Uh, and then if his offensive limitations do hinder his game that much, he, you know, he could see some issues from that perspective, but I, I do think he has, um, a higher, you know, I, I don't foresee him becoming that, but I think that's like the absolute floor. Um, for his boomer bust rating, um, me personally, um, and for those of you guys that don't know, they're just like first listening to our draft profiles. The boomer bust rating is essentially how volatile the prospect is, like how you know likely they are to either like just go off a cliff and you know become an NBA superstar and you know completely boom, or you know become like a uh, Kwame Brown or something and just completely fizzle out and bust. So um you know it's it's just how volatile they are essentially so out of 10 uh i would put him probably at like a a five i mean right in the middle five or six for the boomer Bust rating because i think he's going to be a really consistent nba player in his career i I just don't know if it's going to be in dallas
0: see i you know i was actually going to go with a a way higher i was going to go with a seven and a half just from the sense that you know i think he's more of a safe fire pick um and at, at his absolute ceiling i think he could potentially be well if he's okay. more of a safe fire pick then you it would be, okay, less, he'd be less volatile okay then my bad yeah then i would probably go with like a four and a half okay uh, just because you know i think that he could potentially be uh like at his very best i think he could be a defensive player of the year candidate uh sort of on the line of what marcus smart did in 2021 um that or uh, yeah 2021 or 20 whatever year it was um uh, but yeah that's my absolute top of the top for him
1: yeah no so uh that is Kaysen Wallace for you guys there. um, You know, I I really like the player, um, but I just don't know if he's necessarily going to be the best fit for the Mavericks at 10 when they're lining up to select. Do you have any other lasting thoughts for him, Darren?
0: Yeah, not really. I mean, other than the fact that I, I do think his defense will probably translate, but, um, you know, we're gonna have to see a little bit more. Um, And yeah, I mean, his improvements are going to have to be made on the offensive end for sure to see a, uh, if he's going to stay in the league or not for at least an extended period of time.
1: Exactly. Uh, next up though, we'll be doing Kobe Bufkin, uh 6'5, 187 pounds, six, eight wingspan, sophomore out of Michigan. Um, you know, he's a little bit taller, lengthier than Kaysen, but their games do have a lot of similarities across the board. Um, but Kobe is definitely, I think a little bit more dynamic offensively, less dynamic defensively. Um, so some marginal differences there, but Kobe Bufkin, after you know honing in on this guy, he definitely um has one of the more impressive holistic games out of anybody in this draft. Uh, he doesn't have like a whole lot of glaring weak points, but he's also not extremely elite. I would say at really anything, um, you know maybe barring his uh his his transition playmaking and his uh attacking from that perspective as well as his transition defense. I mean he's just a really rangy athlete. Who gets up and down the court really well. Um, But in the half court setting specifically, um, he's a pretty tantalizing driver. He gets downhill fast. This is like one of the faster guys I've watched on tape um, after having watched some of him. Has a really quick first step. Uh, He could definitely expand his dribble bag up a little bit more to, uh, you know, be able to self-create a little bit more in those one-on-one scenarios. Um, But for him, it almost looked like a lack of consistency from that aspect. Um, in terms of him nailing those looks, but I would say he's a lot uh, better at creating space for himself than Case, Case and Wallace is. He, he does have a little bit of trouble absorbing contact at the rim, but he's an overall pretty savvy finisher once he gets there. You know, so to adjust and, you know, find those angles to uh, to get to his spots with inside the paint um, doesn't get over pressurized by oppo- opposing rim protectors too often. You know, he he definitely needs to improve on his floater game a little bit, um, but his, his overall basketball IQ uh, with inside the painted area, um, you know, once he's driving, he he just doesn't panic, I think, as much as some other people, which was really impressive for a rookie. He has really long strides. Once he blows past a guy, um, they find it really hard to recover. Uh, there were not many instances where a trailer or um, somebody that had to recover off a drive by Kobe Bufkin was able to recover enough to even affect his shot a lot of the time. Um, he's a great transition fact, you know, def- finisher, like I had uh, talked about. He is just really dynamic in the open court. He never panics in two-on-one, three-on-one scenarios. He, you know, either finds the open guy on the fast break or he, you know, has effective uh, stop-and-go sort of um, you know, dribbles and, uh, you know, in-and-out dribbles to, you know, really screw with the defense – uh, when he's going full speed downhill and conversely, you know, on the defensive side of things, he is also, you know, an NBA ready defender for sure. Uh, he's going to have to add some size and strength. And those are probably some of the uh, biggest knocking points on that end is being able to guard up a little, especially with his, you know, six, eight wingspan, you know, being six, five, he, he may at the NBA level need to guard a little need to guard threes, just positionally a little bit more, and that's something that he's going to have to hone in on. But, um, you know, as as he currently stands, he's a very savvy off ball defender, uh, is really good rotationally. He's good at picking passing lanes. He's a, really good at closing out. Um, you know, similarly to Wallace, he's just like really good at edging and recovering, um, you know, coming up from behind guys, um, understanding defensive spacing, uh, has really good court awareness. You know, he, he won't let his man slip back door. Um, if it means that you know he he's gonna take a risk to uh you know poke the ball out from somebody that's like posting up at the nail or something like that while he's on the wing, um he he takes very calculated risks, and um he he's also a really good one on one defender, um you know for what it is I think that that could maybe maybe be um, hindered a little bit at the NBA level when he's going against stronger drivers. You can attack his hip a little bit more and get him to open his hips up a little bit more. He could definitely have a better base but against college guys he uses speed and athleticism really well defensively when he got beat uh he he closed in on guys really well he had a lot of recovery blocks things of that nature um and against like ones and twos and smaller guys i mean he he was really able to just he he honestly was a very hawking defender and a lot of those guys um, where there was a clear size disadvantage almost had no chance so it does give you a lot of promise if he is able to add that size that um, he he can be one of the more tantalizing defenders in the league
0: yeah absolutely you know I think that this is much more of a well-rounded out sort of prospect compared to Casey Wallace on the offensive end um, you know defensively I think that there's a lot more questions to be answered but you know even defensively I think that he has a lot of upside I could definitely see at the professional level um, where sort of his more intangibles kind of like um, sort of lack of physicality or sort of his smaller frame. I could see those things starting to catch up to him at the professional level, um, which is how you know good guys are at getting to their spots or you know scoring um, or even just taking advantage on slower defenders and uh, not necessarily, not saying that he's a slower defender at all um, because I think he's a really good sort of recovery defender. as you mentioned before, he got a lot of help side blocks or a lot of uh, you know just sort of uh, got beat uh, and recovered blocks sort of off the backboard type stuff. Um, but yeah, you know, I think that offensively is really where he's going to shine. I think, um, you know, especially at the professional level, I think that we're going to see his game shine because there's going to be a lot of better spacing compared to college. Um, and not just that, but I think that he can really sort of, um, you know, just, I guess, just like hone in on his abilities. Uh, you know, he has a really good mid range pull-up shot, um, has a really good ability to getting to the hoop. He has a, a very quick first step. I think that you mentioned that. Um, but yeah, you know, his ability to get to the hoop, his ability to sort of create one-on-one, um, definitely, you know, sets him a, a level higher than what we, uh, who we just talked about with Casey Wallace. Um, I think, you know, Case and Wallace, as we said, was just much more limited offensively, uh, whereas Kobe Bufkin offensively is just much more fluent, much more opened up. Um, you know, he can do everything that Casey Wallace can and the ability that he can also, uh, be a good pick and roll creator um, whether passing or even self creating, um, his, his ability to snake those pick and rolls are honestly been really good and split um, them too. Yeah, I mean, split them. Yeah. That's he was, was able to,
1: it. you know, get into the lane. He has a really good, uh, sort of like one, two dribble pull up, um, that he, you know, kind of uses like those side dribbles. Um, he has a good drag dribble, uh, to be able to, you know, once he's getting pressured at the point of attack and a guy hedges really hard, um, he doesn't panic. He'll, he'll overlook the defense, kind of look over everybody. Um and, and try to find the best outlet. Um, he's a he's a solid cutter. I mean, he he fills in the gaps, uh, in almost every you know facet offensively. Um, but I I don't think that you know as good as he is that he's a surefire. You know, uh, put the ball in his hands. You know, ready, uh, playmaker at the NBA level. Um, you know, in terms of like that being like his primary role, I definitely think that you know, just like Case and Wallace, um, he probably on this Mavericks team just due to how, you know, clogged up that, that sort of position is, you know, that one and two through three spot in terms of, you know, the younger wings and Luca and Kyrie, you know, if Kyrie used to stay, of course, we we keep talking about Kyrie as if he's penciled in to stay, but he's obviously not. Um, but I do think from that perspective, Jason um, Wallace, I mean, not my Jason Wallace, but Kobe Bufkin uh can be, you know, he, he can fill in the gaps offensively and and you know do things like almost similarly to to the way like Josh Green's doing where you know he can you know be a guy that you know facilitates the short role he does have a good enough basketball IQ to do that he can you know be a guy that attacks off a closeout really hard and is able to score for himself he's definitely a little bit uh, better at just kind of you know you know to put it like bluntly just getting the ball in the basket than maybe like a Josh Green for instance but still holds the same sort of defensive weight that he, that Josh green could, if he, especially if, he, if he's able to add some size to him. Um, but like, you know, to go back to my point about him, not, you know, being ready for that pr- primary playmaking role, you know, he, he is a so- he was a sophomore in college. He did have to improve uh, from that self creation and playmaking aspect a lot from, you know, his freshman to sophomore year. And he, he did get stuck on his first read a lot. And he, he missed a lot of open guys um, at certain points, um, but when he, you know, he hit them, it, it looked like really good. Um, but the misses were also fairly blatant. So, you know, just expanding his court awareness a little bit more, getting more comfortable in that realm for a guy that maybe, I mean, I, I don't know him personally, but I, I can you know, probably foresee that he probably played on the wing a little bit more when he was growing up um, just based off how tall he is and, you know, how coaches tend to like stick guys like that in AAU, you know, ever since he has evolved into, um, you know, doing more of this sort of self-creation um, his his bag is really good. I think it's just, you know, knowing when to use counter moves, um, uh, knowing, you know, when he should or shouldn't maybe take a isolation possession for himself and maybe, you know, try one of those like spin post fadeaways that maybe won't be as effective at the NBA level. Uh, Just being able to diagnose that more and hone in on those things as he gets better throughout his career, um, you know, from a playmaking and shot creation aspect are, are going to be integral points to him taking that, that, you know, next leap to him, you know, really uh, being able to just do everything. But I, I do think that, you know, I wouldn't say it's fool's goal, but some of the shot creation and playmaking I think is a little bit, uh, you know, of, of fool's gold at the NBA level in terms of how it will translate day one. But I, I do think just in terms of how fluid he is, um, you know, with his dribbling and his shot that, you know, once he's able to hone in on the mental aspect of things, um, it, it'll be a fairly quick development for him to uh, start you know, to become more elite at some of those things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And to highlight, you know, some of his more weaknesses, as you mentioned before, um, just kind of consistency, I think, with some things, uh, you know, he could work on his screen navigation as a lot of these rookies can. Um, I think at the professional level, like that's definitely going to hurt his sort of ceiling is uh, if, you know, his, his sort of screen navigating isn't there necessarily um, sort of kind of limited in guarding ones and twos um you know i think he can definitely work up into that sort of spot like he he does guard ones and twos but he's limited in sort of guarding threes um at the nba level you know i think he projects more of a sort of not necessarily a wing defender but as like a a two guard defender um you know he's not going to guard the sort of point of attack guy um but you know he's going to guard the guy off that sort of like the clay thompson sort of thing um yeah
1: i mean just kind of depending on who he's playing with yeah would would be contingent on how he'd be used in a lineup like that but also, when you look at a guy like Cason Wallace, I, I just feel a lot more comfortable with his ability to switch on to some of those, um, you know, if, if he gets stuck on a on a bigger wing, I, I'd feel a lot more comfortable with that than a Kobe Bufkin per se. But if Kobe, you know, is tasked with having to defend a smaller guard uh, because of his lateral quickness and, you know, his size advantage, like I almost may feel more confident with him doing that than Cason.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um... To highlight a little bit more on the uh, sort of weaknesses, you know, I think sort of decision making at times was a little questionable, you know, sort of his either shot diet or just passes. I think that he tried to sort of thread the needle a little bit too much at at times, um, either just with overconfidence or whatnot. Um, Yeah, you know, I think his shot diet, um, you know, sort of more the fading away aspect of it. He could have gone strong up on some things um, and would either fade away or use some questionable sort of moves to get to that sort of, you know, whether it was a pull of three or, uh, you know, inside the paint, sort of post scoring. Um, But yeah, I think, uh, you know, he, he did, you know, honestly well at sort of, uh, I guess, scoring on sort of taller defenders or mismatches. But yeah, I think, you know, his biggest thing to me is sort of needing to diversify his sort of offensive package um, or just, you know, sort of finding a consistent level at which he can score, um and sort of knowing his strengths and weaknesses I think that's probably the biggest thing for him to improve upon yeah but I mean with that being said
1: he still is a a pretty like surefire day one offensive guy he's not one dimensional he's going to come in and fill you know a wide variety of needs for the Mavericks but in the same vein of case and Wallace just because they are like fairly similar players you know he he isn't the best fit uh he would definitely probably be one of those guys that's coming off the bench now if he were to add a little strength Um, just because of his size, he's definitely, if he was able to, you know, make enough of a, you know, sort of defensive impact, a guy could see the Mavericks sliding into that starting lineup, uh, especially kind of pending on what happens with Kyrie, but it would just all depend on, you know, his, his developmental track, you know, as was, it kind of does with everybody, but, you know, he, he definitely just because of, um, how dire the position of need that he is compared to maybe some other guys that the Mavericks will, um, you know, be pining for other positions of need. They may have this off season that they have to address, he he probably wouldn't start day one. He'd probably be you know an off the bench guard. Um, in terms of his ceiling, um, you know if everything were to to go right for this guy, he he's almost like a, a maybe like a left handed like SGA or, or SGA light. You know like he he does have a very similar kind of build to that. Um, but it would be very contingent upon his offensive game. You know just becoming you know more and more evolved, more and more savvy. Um, I'd say that he has one of the higher floors out of anybody that we've covered so far. Um, I I think at worst, um, you know, you're looking at uh, a good defensive guard off the bench who can at least, you know, make spot up threes, talked about his shooting a little, but he is a guy that, um, you know, he's getting, he's, like I said, he has a good shot. He's comfortable in catching chief scenarios, but um, you know, you'd like to just see him knock them in in a little bit more of a consistent clip. But I do think the spacing, the Mavericks would provide, for him as well as like how fluid his shot mechanics are would bode for good development in terms of his shot, you know, progressively getting a little bit better. He is a guy that um, I could see at one point in his NBA career, like shooting around 40% of everything were to fizzle out for him. So, or not fizzle out, but if everything would go right for him. So, Um, yeah, I mean, I would say his floor is maybe, this is tough, like a, a manual quickly without like, you know, maybe not as dynamic offensively.
0: Yeah, I could. I yeah. Can agree with
1: that, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, he. I feel like this guy, contrary to to Wallace, like if if his offensive, um, limitations were to just be that bad, I feel like Kobe Buffkin is just a little bit more, surefire in terms of at least being something in the NBA. Yeah,
0: you know, I would I would actually agree with that point. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you know, I I know you brought up the expect the role sort of thing, but it, you know, if you were drafted to the Mavericks, I think there would be a little bit of a logjam, more so as if Kay, or more so than Casey Wallace. Uh, you know, Kaysen Wallace definitely brings more of the defensive impact. Right. Kobe Bufkin definitely more of the offensive impact. And with Jane Hardy um, on the roster already, I just don't really think that there is a world where Kobe, um, you know, is a maverick, unless if we do end up trading either one of Josh Green or uh, Jane Hardy, you know, some, at some point before the draft, which I, you know, don't or really during think, the draft or or during draft. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, I don't foresee happening, but you know, who knows nowadays. Um, but yeah. You know, I, I don't really think there is a world where he is going to be, in Dallas. But as I said, you know, or I guess, as we said in the intro, you know, you can't really expect anything nowadays. Um, But yeah, as far as the ceiling and floor go, I relatively do agree with what you said. Um, You know, I think a a ceiling level, I think it could be a high level score in this this league. And then at the floor, um, just kind of a guy who, you know, more an all around tool, um, not necessarily like Austin Rivers, but just kind of a guy who's off the bench who can sort of provide um, and is a steady number. Um, So I guess you know now, Will. Uh, oh yeah, for the one out of ten Boomer Bust rating.
1: Uh, I would probably give him like uh, a three or a four. I mean, probably like a three. I mean, I, I just do think he's one of the more short, surefire prospects in this draft. I would maybe say a four, just because I think maybe a four or a five. I guess none of them rethinking it, just because I do think he has a lot of potential to um, hit on those swing factors that can make him really good. Um But he already has such a high floor that. I, um, I, I don't, I think there's a little less volatility than some of the other guys here.
0: Yeah. You know, I think, um, I would probably go with a five just because, you know, I think, uh, his intangibles, you know, aren't necessarily like insane drop-offs. I think that those are things that he can definitely work upon. Uh, but yeah, the, the things that make his ceiling extremely well, uh, or extremely high rather, <clears throat> I think that, uh, if he does improve upon those things and improve upon his sort of improvement areas, um, uh, I mean, Realistically, like I think that we could be looking at an all-star type guy. Um, you know this could be the sort of Davion Mitchell of the draft potentially. Um, if everything were to cut out and if everything were to, you know, sort of work his way and he could, like I said, potentially be an all-star type guy.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, uh, Davion Mitchell, I wouldn't say is an all-star right now, but or I, uh, I,
0: um, not Davion Mitchell, uh, Donovan, Donovan
1: Mitchell. I was like, I was like, I knew what you were going for, but yes, you know, he he definitely could. Um, be the Donovan Mitchell of that late lottery if, if everything were to hit. Lastly, we'll be profiling Bilal Koulibaly um, from Metropolitan 92 from France, playing the same team as Victor Wimbamiana, as we said in the intro. Um, you know, I, I pro- apologize if I mispronounce the name. I'll probably continue to do so yeah. for any French listeners that we have. Just uh, DM me what the actual um, uh, pronunciation is uh, phonetically. You can always DM us at mainstream two one four on Twitter. Yes. Figure uh, we can get that figured out and because uh, we, we don't want to do a disservice or not give Bilal his due diligence here, um, you know, because he's in the NBA draft and we're not at the end of the day. So um, but at the end of the day, um, this guy is definitely a little bit more sketch uh, in terms of being able to come in and make a day one impact compared to the other two guys. He's a lot more raw. He is projected in that sort of late lottery um range as Kason and Wallace and Kobe buffkin were. But uh Bilal Kulabali, uh six seven, um possibly, you know, even listed six eight from some draft outlets. Um seven two wingspan. Only a measly one hundred ninety pounds though. Um he I think is honestly I don't know exactly how to label his position, but if I had to call him anything, I'd probably say he's a three. Maybe maybe I maybe mean, like a combo two. Maybe a combo yeah. two. Yeah, like there is some ball handling upside here, um, but that's like a huge, 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 huge swing factor that um, is going to need to see a lot of improvement before, uh, you know, that's something that he starts getting to be, you know, delegated to actually, you know, doing for an NBA team. Uh, it's going to be something that he's going to have to improve upon quite a bit, uh, but some of the positives uh, in terms of his game, you know, before we get into the negatives, I think this is a little bit more of a clear dichotomy of, you know, us being able to separate the the positives and the negatives versus the other guys. There were a lot of good you know things that they were like kind of good at or like, you know, iffy on. But, you know, Bilal has like his his stuff that he's good at. And then he his weaknesses are like pretty glaring. So in terms of the positives, um, he, he does have really good uh, intangibles. <laughs> he's good intangibles. He's very like basketball. Offensively, just savvy in terms of understanding spacing. Um, he's a really good cutter. His wingspan, um, is able to you know both positively affect his game offensively and defensively. Um, he's definitely far and a, far and away the best athlete out of all three of these guys. Um, you know, it, Kobe Bufkin probably you know a faster guy, maybe more laterally quick. Um, but Vila also has still a really good first step. If he gets by you, he's going to use those strides to you know, rise up into a slam. He he can jump off one or two feet, um, uses his wingspan to his advantage. He he gets up very easily. And obviously, you know, as all these guys that we talked about that have had pretty high motors so far, none of these guys I would say are slouches defensively or have shown like effort woes on that end. Um but you know Bilal specifically he has a really high motor. Um he has um, great rotational defense uses his wingspan to get in passing lanes as well as, you know, hedge and, uh, and recover. He, he can, there are a lot of instances, you know, maybe contrary to the other guys that he had to guard the dunker spot or he had to rotate over as the low man and, you know, be a, uh, you know, a sort of pseudo rim protector at times. And he was able to do that with a, uh, with pretty solid success just due to how vertically sound he is. Uh, he plays good defense with his hands up uh, against smaller guards he can sort of hound them in the post. There, you know, there there was he forced a lot of really bad shot clock uh, or late shot clock attempts. Um, there were a lot of closeouts that he had uh where he's rotating where guys would just blatantly like miss threes at like the side of the backboard or you know, airball it. He really affects uh the fuel division, you know, for an opposing shooter. Contrary to maybe some of these other guys, they may be more sound in terms of being able to stay in front of a guy, but Bilal but you know, his athleticism is it's just really hard to see over. Uh, he runs the floor really well. He's a great, to, you know, transition defender, as well as a, you know, great offensive transition guy uh, could probably get a little bit better. at understanding driving angles, but uh, his speed is so good in the open court um, that he's able to kind of just explode to the rim. He definitely, you know, despite the slimmer frame, he has no problem going up on somebody. Um, he, he projects himself and uh, goes and even seeks contact a lot of the time when he's going to the rim uh you know versus trying to you know have a sort of finesse finish or something like that um he, he's a good rebounder for his size he, he did you know have some trouble with boxing out a little bit uh especially with his frame so that's something that could get worked on but offensively um he's he's a good rebounder um because he'll you know he has the he has the you know wherewithal to be able to use his length to go up and grab some of those 50-50 balls that, you know, just may not even be applicable for some guys to even go for sometimes, but just being more positionally sound um, and boxing out is going to be something that's going to help him a lot. Um, you know, and he's, like I said, he he's a good cutter from almost all angles, whether it be backdoor, uh, taking a dive cut there, the Mavericks could definitely get him d- downhill. I'm sure running him off curl offs, uh, just going straight to the rim uh maybe like bust open some like UCLA screens, just get him going downhill because um he's not scared of anybody in the paint. He's you know he, he has a really quick um sort of um burst I guess in, in terms of like synchronizing into his uh you know jump. I, I don't know if you guys like or if you've ever actually during like watched any of those YouTube videos uh, where they talk about techniques for jumping higher or like dunking or anything like that. Um, but his, like, I think it's his penultimate step, uh, where he, you know, takes that step right before he goes directly into his jump is, um, is really good. So, um, stuff like that are some of the more glaring positives, but conversely, Jaron, um, you can list off the net, the, the limitations to his game.
0: Yeah. You know, I think that there's, uh, the, as you mentioned, uh, before we started to talk or sort of dissected him, um, was that, you know. His, his glaring weaknesses are probably like the highlight and probably what could control either where he lands in this draft uh, or has or how his career pans out. But, you know, you know, his negatives are a little bit more glaring than, you know, the other two that we did talk about um, kind of on defense. He relies on his length a little bit too much. Um, you know, there's a lack of strength there. So I think at the NBA level it's really going to be a kind of test of, you know, whether or not he's going to get bullied or not. Um, I, you know, it kind of has a weak base on defense, as I mentioned, uh, you know, just relying on his length a little bit too much to get blocks, um, affected shots really well, as you said, with his closeout. Um, but yeah, I think he just relies on his sort of athleticism, just a little bit too much, uh, to do things. And I don't think that's necessarily going to fly at the uh, NBA level. Uh, I mean, technically he did play at a professional level in France, but, uh, I guess, you know, France and NBA is completely two, two, uh, completely different leagues um the other thing with me and this is going to be really big um and yes you know i i could see the mavericks honestly taking a flyer type pick on this guy but he really needs to clean up his dribbles especially um, if they trade
1: back might i add like yeah exactly if yeah. the mavericks get a rim protector in a trade and they trade back maybe even like a few more spots and they're they're looking at like that 17 18 range like this guy would be really applicable if they're they're looking to add some wing depth off the bench
0: absolutely um but yeah you know i think one of the things that he, you know this is going to necessarily dictate uh whether or not he's going to stay in the league for uh long periods of time but you know to me he needs to clean up his dribbles he needs to clean up his decision making um his, his sort of dribble package is so not narrow but just kind of limited in what he can do uh, a lot of times either driving in the lanes uh or just picking up his dribble he was oftentimes stripped and I think it's also a lack of strength, lack of you know direction, places to be. Uh, you know, he doesn't really get to his spots very well. Mm-hmm. And I think that sort of kind of affects him as his dribbles. Um, not just that, but you know, also his three-point shooting. He didn't shoot at a high variable. he he shot less than 83s this year. Um, but you know, he shot the catch and shoot three at a 35 percent uh, you know, sort of clip, and that's not necessarily good or bad, but just that the sort of limited shots he they did were like take, wide open, three, yeah, what, exactly. It, there was a one game, I think, against Monaco or some other team in a playoff game where they uh directly sort of wanted him to shoot, and he missed a lot of them. Um, so I think that you know, NBA teams could adjust to that, leaving him wide open, uh, having an extra help side defender, which you know, necessarily wouldn't be a benefit. Uh, for the Mavericks and not just that but sort of clunky mechanics you know it I think the the sort of blueprint for his jumper is there um I think he has a, a good jumper I just think it's not fluid uh, as I said it's more clunky than fluid uh if he could work on his fluidity I think that that would be a key to sort of unlocking it all um and not just that but you know as you said he runs the floor very well uh but in the half court scenario not necessarily I think that he'll be kind of hard to pair with Luca uh just in the sense that I think he's more of a run and gun type of guy a guy who, you know, not cherry picking necessarily, but definitely runs a sort of transition, uh, running up the floor as quick as possible type guy. Um, His half court offense just wasn't necessarily there. Um, And not just that, but I believe he averaged the most, the most amount of turnovers uh, on that Metropolitan 92 team uh, with 18.1% turnover rating, which that was sort of on his floor. Um, And not just that, but this was the big thing to me, Uh, you know, having a seven foot four or seven foot five, uh Victor Wemenyam on your team he really struggled at injury pa- entry passes um a lot of the times he a lot of his turnovers rather uh were sort of trying to pass it into the post with Victor in there um and oftentimes it was either you know just completely wrong side um or you know Victor would go to front the guy he'd pass the ball way too late or pass the ball way too early um and it would be picked off by a weak side defender uh or it would be pass- picked off by the guy that Victor was trying to front um i think he could definitely really work on that and that you know to me is his biggest limitation yeah because i mean um, even as like you know
1: slim and frame as victor is you know he is seven foot five and he's you know pretty you know undisputedly probably like one of the better players in that league i mean if you just look at a game to game i mean he's not a hard ball or not a hard guy to get the ball to in an entry pass i mean especially with that length uh you know, probably easier than most NBA players. I mean, I know he can get thrown off base a little bit, but even so, you know his wingspan is just so big. So that was obviously pretty glaring that his passing, um, is just not an area of comfortability whatsoever. I would honestly say it's one of his bigger weak points. Weak points, yeah. Um, like if there's one thing that I feel like I could, you know, come in and do better than, uh, in terms of Bilal, it would probably be like be passing, like just like bluntly, like straight up. And that that's not even me trying to flex or anything. I'm nowhere near an NBA level prospect uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm more so trying to emphasize, um, you know, contrary to some other prospects that we've covered um, and other guys where, you know, we talk about a weakness, like the passing is, is as bad as it sounds like it it, it is really bad. Like it is, is, it's, it's really bad. So, you know, the, the playmaking and the, you know, evolution shooting wise is going to be huge. And those are going to be the hugest swing factors. Um, But the other intangibles in terms of, you know, cutting in the half court, his, his really rangy, you know, defense, his athleticism. Um, I, I just, you know, it could turn this guy into a superstar if everything were to go right, but it's going to be hard for him to hit on all those swing factors. Um, just, just as is, it, it, there's a lot of different variables at play there, but he is only 18. He's one of the younger guys in this draft. So, um, we'll just have to kind of see what happens. um, as weird as it is, I think the Mavericks would honestly be a little bit more inclined to, yeah, to that's take right. him that's uh, that's because, right. you know, especially just kind of depending on like the other picks that they make, because he does project as a guy that can defend Um, like if everything were to go right and he had its size, he could probably defend like one through four, one through five at some point in his career. Yeah. Um, with that wingspan yeah. Especially. With that wingspan, his lateral quickness, but it, it's going to just depend on how that all uh, ends up ironing out for him. Um, nonetheless, though, I, I do think if he came into the Mavericks, I don't think that he doesn't really strike me especially as as high as he's projected to be a draft and stash guy. I do think that he'd come over and try to develop um day one. Now, you know, where he ends up panning out in the rotation is all all going to be conducive to his development uh, and nothing more. I think day one he'd probably be an off the bench wing for the Mavericks and then he could end up being a starter by the end of the year if he developed somehow enough. Yeah. I mean, um uh, easily like just he based can, on, on his frame. It's
0: like a Chris Boucher type. Yeah. Like
1: or or yeah, but yeah, or he could end up you know playing more as a as a big rotationally. If the Mavericks had some injuries and he had some size, but even then you know there there is probably going to you know be some rebounding and um, you know sort of defensive woes when he has to guard up at the NBA level because of that lack of size sometimes. So it, it's really tough to pencil him into any one thing, but uh, you know he if if he is able to hit on some of these markers, he's he's going to be a pretty tantalizing prospect going forward. I would say his ceiling is, I mean, it, it, it's honestly like through the roof if everything were to hit. Um, he's a he's a really hard player to tr- maybe kind of like relate to. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a really good floor comparison for him, but um, um, I, I would say his ceiling um maybe like a a baby Giannis. It, like, not he's not going to be as dynamic because he doesn't have that quite. You know, I don't think he'll ever get to that level of strength, and he's definitely not that you know long or tall. But, you know, he's a guy that could probably end up playmaking and, you know, shooting a little bit better. He he has a mix of, you know, a, lo- a lot of different guys in his game. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. um, it, it's hard to project, but I would say his floor um, is definitely like one of those, you know, ath- more athletic type NBA players that just ends up not m- being able to make it because the other holes in their game, you know, completely, you know, override how high-flying of an athlete they are. Um, Who's that one guy that could, like, jump out the gym on the Mavericks earlier this year, like DJ Stewart? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, like, he has the bus potential to where he could end up just being a G League guy. Like, if everything completely went to shit, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah and absolutely. the and the offensive game didn't come along enough. Um, But I think a good baseline in terms of where, you know, an equal cool sort of meeting point that we could maybe find for this guy um, without, you know, saying that his ceiling would be too high. Would probably be like Derek Jones Jr um with you know a little bit better defense and hopefully throughout the course of his career a little bit better offense yeah, but I think that that's like kind of like a baseline player if he if he kind of just hits the mean in terms of all this but he definitely has one of the higher boomer bus ratings uh very volatile prospect as we talked about I mean i'm I'm definitely saying he's like uh I'm definitely saying that this guy's you know maybe like a nine or a 10 yeah absolutely bus rating because of how volatile his you know projection could be
0: yeah i was gonna go with a eight and a half because again his his bus potential is really high
1: yeah no well 100 percent. but um unless you have any other outlying thoughts on um bilal koulibaly um that go i guess we can go ahead and wrap it up you know definitely a little bit more volatile than the two first two guys we talked about but all of these guys, in some sort of shape or fashion, I wouldn't say are out of consideration for the Mavericks to pick. I don't think any three of them are extremely likely, uh, but any three of these guys, I, I I don't think would it would it wouldn't shock me if the Mavericks called their name, you know, on draft night for any three of these guys.
0: I I think Case Wallace is probably the highest two, but yeah, I could definitely see them taking a stretch on like Belil um, or even you know, a potential Kobe Buffkin pick. I'm not I'm not opposed to any of those yeah. guys
1: or selecting one of them and then trading them yeah yeah yeah, i can also see that too so and
0: then having them turn out to be mvp yes
1: we'll we'll be back either uh tonight or tomorrow to do the Derek lively podcast uh where we talk about the mavericks trading back in that scenario as well so we'll get into that um but barring that you know we're going to continue to turn out this draft content talk about different scenarios the mavericks could do and get these draft profiles out Uh, This has been a fun one. Thank you guys for listening this far in the podcast. Make sure to follow our Twitter at Mainstream214. Make sure to get at us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever other podcast platform you are listening. We are on almost any podcast platform you can find, whether it be like Apple or Amazon Music or Google Podcasts. It's all out there. Uh, Mainstream Mouse Podcast. Just search us up. Give us a five-star rating. Um, Give us a review if you do feel so inclined. We would appreciate the uh, feedback. And uh, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to our YouTube as well. Mainstream Mouse Podcast. We appreciate you if you're listening live on YouTube, or not live, but if you're watching us on YouTube, and uh, you're actually seeing the, uh, you know, video. Yes. And you saw our setting change. Uh, we had a little bit of an abrupt setting change where we had to, from the intro of the podcast, we had to re- relocate, but we were able to finish it, and everything's all fine and dandy now here in uh here in Mainstream Mouse Land, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Um, uh, but like once again, though, we appreciate you guys for listening this far. Um, it's been a good one and we will catch you guys next for the, uh, Derek Lively podcast. Um, where we'll talk about what would happen if the Mavericks trade back in the draft.